Hello, greetings and welcome. I'm John Gibbons and this is Alchemy Radio, the home of the open mind. It's great to have your company, whether you're a long-term or a first-time listener, and we really hope you enjoy the show. We're back after a little bit of an extended break and look forward to bringing you many, many interesting shows over the coming weeks, months and indeed years. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net and you can follow us and join the Alchemy community on Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy about saying hello. We exist thanks to your kind donations, so thank you to everybody who does so via our website. We're completely non-profit and intend to stay that way. So, on to the show. Alchemy This week's guest is Derek Henry. Derek is a well-respected holistic health coach and blogger who created Healing the Body, which is his website, to help people understand the fundamental principles to exceptional health so they can overcome their own health challenges. His popular wellness transformation e-guide, Ultimate Reset personal coaching program and Thrive online holistic health program gives people step-by-step solutions to achieve a healthier body and mind while empowering them to maintain that lifestyle through a fundamental education based on the four pillars of true health. Derek, you're very welcome to Alchemy Radio. How are things? Excellent, John. How are things with you? Really good. Delighted to have you on the show. We had one or two false starts and it's great to have finally got you now. And I think we're going to have a very interesting chat. It's something, anything to do with natural health or health in general is very close to my heart. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing your specific take on what's going on in the world health-wise and what's not going on in the world and what should be going on. But before we get into all that, I have a question that I ask everybody on the show. And it's basically, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? Well, it all started with my own personal health crisis um, at about age 30, which is a very young age in my mind to actually deal with some of the problems that I was dealing with. And at that time, of course, I was I was virtually forced um, to find a better way than what conventional medical wisdom was presenting me. And before that, I did have an interest in my health, but not enough to really keep me to keep me in a good spot. And Unfortunately, you know, undue period of stress kind of blew up a bunch of lingering health problems in my face. And um, having not knowing really who to go to in the beginning, I went to conventional medicine, um, not really wanting to go there, but not really having any other answers. Mm. And unfortunately, they didn't really have any answers for me other than the the usual uh, trip that you get in terms of um, you know being diagnosed with something and then being set up with medication. Fortunately for me, the medication made me actually feel a lot worse than better, so that really even more forced my hand. Rather than get comfortable with medication and just controlling the symptoms, I really had to look for something else. So as a result of that, I started scouring, uh, fortunately, for the internet, which made it a lot easier. I started scouring the internet, trying to find more natural ways to deal with um, the disease processes that I was dealing with, which, which actually, in honesty, was pretty much everything. Everything was failing. Uh, on me. So I really had to take a broad spectrum holistic approach to what I was doing. And over time, I learned a lot um, just by, you know, searching the internet, reading various amounts of books, following certain people that had healed themselves, talking to different naturopaths, um, different health professionals, different healers, just kind of culminating all this knowledge. And over a period of 
five years probably um, with you know getting better as the years went on I, I pretty much completely healed myself of all my problems with just a few lingering things yet to figure out so when you have that kind of happen to you in your life at least for me um, you know along that path the entire time I'm talking to other people about you know this is this is there's a natural way to take care of these things you don't need to go to drugs you don't need to go to pharmaceuticals there's a more natural way for you to take care of yourself with no side effects and to be able to actually nourish your body in a way that you can actually get not only your health back but even maybe feel better than you did mm. so as I went down that path you know I'm telling everyone and everyone who would listen which in the beginning wasn't too many people um, you know talking to family members and trying to get them to convert to doing these types of things but it was very different than um, it was the beginning of that kind of movement um, in the region that we are in anyway. So it was a little bit foreign to people. They didn't really understand what it meant, why I even needed to do it. Um, but I kept on my way and I kept on you know, educating people and eventually um, started developing my own website where I could article um, and blog about what it is that I was finding. And then eventually over time, uh, through my own personal experience and just working with some people on the side, I eventually started up um, my own site, healingthebody.ca, uh, where I really started to um, produce a lot of different articles on all kinds of topics around natural health. You name it, um, it's pretty much on there. Very comprehensive macro kind of approach uh, to your health. And um, with that, obviously, I started writing for you know bigger online sources, um, started to, to be understood a bit more by people, started my own coaching programs and some online coaching programs, and um, really just continuing down that road of educating, empowering people, showing them what I did, teaching them how to get to what I call the other side if they don't want to go the traditional route, um, and help them understand there is a a better way, in my opinion, to take care of your health problems than to go down the uh, normal conventional medical route. And what kind of health issues were you dealing with, Derek? I mean, were they kind of small niggly ones or were there some bigger ones? Um, Just to give people a kind of an indication of the extent of the path that it was that you took. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, and if I if if I had went to a doctor long enough, John, and I actually went down that route that I was going, if I didn't get into natural health, um, you know, I'm sure that I would eventually had a diagnosis. The diagnosis they'd given me at the time was um, arthritis, mm. <clears throat> but I know from from the symptoms I had and, you know, the, the pH of my blood and the way things are going, that I was going down a rope that was going to end up in some kind of cancer. I'm quite sure of that. They never diagnosed with me with it. I never allowed them to diagnose me with it. I wasn't going to go to them long enough and allow them to give me that. Yeah. So I didn't really have that. But in my personal opinion, knowing my body well now, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that's where I was going. But they diagnosed me with arthritis. What did that mean? Well, I pretty much had pain almost in every part of my body. I had extreme neck, shoulder, you know, back, elbow, wrist pain, mostly on one side. It was really debilitating. Couldn't even open doors with my hand. I had to use my elbow. It was just throbbing all the time. I had knee problems. I had excruciating shin splints. Um, I had really bad plantar fasciitis, all kinds of skin conditions, um, big time sensitivity to chemical smells, having to go to the bathroom all the time, uh, especially at night, lots of heartburn and indigestion. I had lumps in my lymph nodes, you know, a lot of brain fog, lots of chronic fatigue, you know, lots of allergies, sinusitis, um, as I said, blood that felt very acidic and, you know, traces of blood in stools. Those are probably some of my common symptoms. So it was it was a laundry list of things that I had to deal with. Right. And 
Obviously, you've described then how you eschewed the mainstream uh, medical fraternity, if you like, if that's the right word to use. So right. when, when, when you decided to go, or when you were forced to go down an alternative route, what was the first step for you? I mean, it's a very daunting thing. You're faced with a lot of problems there, and you realise that mainstream medicine isn't the way for you. And all of a sudden, you've got options in front of you, but you'll have people, as you kind of intimated there, from all sides saying, well, that's not the way to go. You have to go to the conventional route. So how did that journey then begin for are you and what way did it progress was it a very quick thing did you see instant results or was it more gradual yeah you know fortunately for me um i'm very disciplined or very stubborn as some people might say in terms of what i was going to do so there wasn't really anyone that's going to detract me from what i needed to do to get healthy and i felt that this was the route and fortunately i came upon an internet source that i could really hold on to, um, which is very fortunate because if you don't even have some type of source, some type of, gu- some type of guide at all, um, you could simply walk into a health food store and be completely inundated, which I'm sure a lot of people are. They're just, you know, shelves loaded with supplements, all kinds of foods, and really, like you say, where do you start? Yeah. Uh, very difficult to know, but fortunately, I had someone that I found an online source who I felt was very smart when it came to nutrition, um, when it came to managing things naturally, and um, I started following him very closely, um, and as I followed that material very closely online, there's new stuff being produced every day. I just started learning about food, and, um, you know, and at that point in time, I was really curious about foods that could really help with inflammation because at that point, the amount of pain that I had going on um, was rooted in inflammation. And I really need to figure out how to cut that down before anything else to make that manageable so that my life was actually manageable because at that point, um, when inflammation is raging that hard, it's tough to really look at the silver lining and try to figure things out because you're constantly, your mind's being consumed by the amount of pain that you're enduring. So I knew I had to get to the inflammation. So a slow but gradual process, I really started switching over, um, as many people do, just to more clean foods, you know, organic um, or as clean as I knew they could be. Um, Really focus on a lot of produce is really kind of where I initially started. So really just started eating more uh, fruits and vegetables, more, you know, less processed foods, um, less of the conventional kind of foods that people are going to eat on a day-to-day basis, like cutting out dairy, you know, cutting out most flour products, cutting out a lot of sugar, um, you know, cutting out alcohol for a large point, not eating a lot of animal protein at the time um, as well, because that wasn't helping my condition at the time. Um, slowly but surely, it wasn't, you know, overnight, obviously, slowly but surely over a period of probably a year doing that and, you know, consulting with some other medical professionals, more natural ones like massage therapists, things like that, really helped to manage my pain. And I really just kept on going down that road. And it was a really slow but gradual process because I was figuring it out on my own at the time. I was, right. I had a guide, but really I didn't, I wasn't working with anyone specifically about overcoming this. If I knew now or if I knew then what I know now, I certainly could have overcome it with a lot more speed. But at the time, I was simply on my journey. I was traveling the road. I was just eating more natural things that were given to us by nature and really avoiding things that were made by man was kind of my my doctrine that I followed closely until you know eventually I learned more about supplementation, specifically what to take. Um, and again, that was a process. Took lots of different types of supplements. A lot of them worked. Some of them didn't. And just slowly narrowed down my processes and what I need to do until I finally had tackled pretty much every issue in my body. And at this point then, you're healthy and pain-free? 
I feel better at uh, 40, John, than I felt when I was 25. Um, I, you know, I virtually, actually not virtually, there is no pain associated with my day-to-day life. Um, you know, I do a little bit of weight training. I may have a little stiffness related to that, as everyone may. Yeah. But other than that, um, the pain has been completely gone for quite some time now. All those conditions that I had mentioned earlier, all completely gone and um, all just a result of a natural journey and process that I undertook. You mentioned inflammation there, and that's something that comes up time and time again when I'm doing my bits and pieces of research into disease and the ills that we can have inflicted upon us in the human body and that we inflict upon ourselves. So is it the case, Derek, then, that the vast majority of health problems are actually as a result of inflammation? And would you link your current good health to a reduction or a dramatic reduction in inflammation then compared to where you were when you were 30? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I would I would put a another word on there. I think chronic inflammation is the result of many people's pain and many people's problems. Obviously, the body uses inflammation as a way to help um, to segregate or isolate a certain health problem and try to actually heal it. But you know, and that's helpful. Like a lot of bodily processes are helpful, but when they become chronic, is when it becomes an issue. So when that inflammation, you're always mounting a, a response, inflammation-wise. Eventually, that can become problematic. There's a, there's that whole balance, obviously, with anything in life, and that inflammation can become very problematic if it's chronic over time. And that's what most people are dealing with, right? We're not talking about acute injuries, you know, and accidents, things like that, where you get inflammation, obviously, and that's helpful for healing your body. It's more like people are dealing with all types of inflammation. It's really at the root of people's pain problems, certainly, um, over time. And I would think for myself, absolutely, being able to keep your inflammation um, on a day-to-day basis um, at a very low level um, or basically non-existent um, is going to really help people um, become well. And obviously, it's going to also help people um, overcome uh, a lot of their pain problems because a lot of the pain problems are rooted in that and I'm certainly not dealing with any of that now. Well, let's look at some of the causes then of inflammation. Let's assume that most people out there have some kind of niggly health problem at the very least. So what could it be, Derek, that's causing it? Basically, what I want to do is talk about toxins for a while now, uh, because there are so many toxins that we're being constantly bombarded with and exposed to. And quite often, the vast majority of us don't even know what is a toxin, what isn't a toxin, what we should be exposed to, and a lot of it is invisible too. So on the issue of toxins, where should we start looking especially? Wow. Well, you know, <laughs> there is no shortage um, of toxins out there, right? And we know that. And uh, unfortunately, they've become very pervasive. Um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to avoid toxins on a day-to-day basis. But if you can deal with the big ones and eliminate them out of your life, uh, first of all, and then eliminate them out of your body, second of all, then you can really, you can enjoy a decent quality of life. Really, it, for the most part, if people just ate whole foods and avoided as many toxins as possible, their body would take care of them. The body's an amazing machine. It'll take care of you as long as you take care of it. Mm. And, you know, you could go down the rabbit hole with toxins. There is so many different things to avoid. But, you know, I think there's probably a dozen or so things that I would make sure that people are aware of um, when it comes to toxins that are probably the most deadly, let's say, the ones that are poisoning most people and causing most health problems. Um, You know, and, and it one of the ones at the top of the list I would probably discuss would be heavy metals. Um, you know, heavy metals like mercury, aluminum, uh, nickel, cadmium, things like that. Those are 
you and you wouldn't think you would have to deal with these. You think, how do I actually, how do these things actually get inside my body? You know, other than maybe pollution, um, you know, and and what effect do these things have in the body? Well, they actually have no role in the body in terms of wellness. Um, they're very toxic, and they're they break down a lot of different body processes and cause a lot of problems. Where are we getting heavy metals from? You know, that's the question. What, how how are these things become to be lodged inside of our body? Well, you know, we know pollution is one big deal, and depending on where you live, um, that could be better or could be worse. Um, but pollution, obviously, you inhaling, you know, heavy metals from you know factory factories and all that kind of um, smoke that's being blasted across the atmosphere is a big issue. Yeah. Um, but probably more some of the more sinister ones that more people probably deal with across the planet um, would be. The dental fillings is a big one. Anyone who's had mercury fillings, having that mercury directly placed inside your oral cavity, as you can imagine, we can think about how asinine that is now. Um, but putting that directly in your oral cavity is going to cause problems as long as you have those dental fillings in your mouth. Um, maybe not as much as the initial exposure you have when you get them done, but over time, those mix with saliva and mix with your food, and they continually release um, that toxin into your body. So, so dental fillings is a big deal because a lot of people have had to get dental fillings, and most of them are mercury unless you're getting the new ones that are more of a composite mm-hmm. that's a little bit safer than, than definitely that. Um, you know, any kind of shots, you know, if you're having vaccinations or flu shots or any of those things have all revealed in the past, and maybe not necessarily all of them now, but a lot of them had mercury and other heavy metals in them, um, even aluminum. Um, that's a big deal. Obviously, many people, um, most people, in fact, have had their vaccinations as a child and had several flu shots over the years. And that accumulation over time of even those two things can really create that you know heavy metal poisoning. Um, then you're using cookware that um, maybe has um, aluminum and stuff that's leaching into the water, whatever it is you're, you're boiling. Um, you've got cosmetics, you know, underarm deodorant that has aluminum bases in them trying to help you, keep you from perspiring, but really putting, you know, aluminum directly onto your skin, which then, you know, kind of bypasses the whole, de- you know, part of the detoxification process and goes right into your bloodstream. That's a big issue. Um, you know, smoking uh, or secondhand smoke, you know, can cause cadmium poisoning. Of course, you know, that's maybe over the years, maybe smoking is cleaned up a bit, but certainly um, a lot of people have to deal with that. Um, there's lots of household cleaning products. Um, of course, insecticides and herbicides, some of those things contain uh, different traces of heavy metals. Um, even things like tattooing, for example, uh, can, 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 can contain nickel. Things like that, heavy metals, um, you know, and, they, and the reason they cause a lot of problems is because it, Again, they have no purpose in the body, number one. They tend to lodge in fatty tissue as well, which is why a lot of people who have heavy metal issues may have brain-related issues, um, like Alzheimer's, for example, or Parkinson's. Um, it's also known to repel um, good bacteria in your intestinal system. Um, so if you're trying to build up that good bacteria and, and have a solid digestive system, which is really kind of the gateway to health, if you have a heavy metal problem that, and some of that's lingering in your intestinal system, it makes, you very, makes it very difficult to build up that digestive system. Mm. So heavy metals would be a big one for me that a lot of people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis, causing them a lot of problems. Another conventional um, a conventional medication that many people take, again, that many, many people have been exposed to is antibiotics. Um, and antibiotics is another um, kind of a kill-all approach, like some of the you know some of the conventional procedures are. Um, but antibiotics is a kind of a kill-all approach to all the bacteria in your body. Unfortunately, it wipes out the good and the bad. And when you start doing that, you kind of create a desert inside your body. It's almost like you've went to your lawn and you've applied Roundup to it, and you've destroyed not only the grass but all the weeds as well. So you've destroyed everything. So you kind of have this 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 dead um, 
you know, <laughs> dead soil, let's say, for, better, for lack of a better term, when you use antibiotics too much. And when you start using antibiotics, even one round of them can really hurt your digestive system. And then as a result of that, different things can linger in, different intestinal problems like candida. And then once that starts to happen, then different toxins um, start to build up inside your intestinal system. And then you start to pave the way for a number of different health problems. Along that same line, prescription drugs, obviously, as well, um, are a huge issue. I mean, I think the last estimate I saw is 70% of people are taking at least one prescription drug. We don't really have to go into that. Everyone knows prescription drugs aren't healthy. Um, you know, we don't have a prescription drug um, deficit, <laughs> let's put it that way, in our <laughs> yeah. body. Yeah. But obviously, they're used for certain reasons, and I used them very briefly when I had to and while I was converting. But they, they really poison the liver. They create a lot of different liver problems and a lot of different intestinal problems as well. So prescriptions are a big one because there's a lot of people taking them and a lot of them taking two, three, four, five a day. And that's a big issue. Um, something else being that not a lot of people talk about necessarily, but is a big deal is EMFs. Um, and those are everywhere, right? We're dealing with, wire, with wireless um, you know, technology now, but everyone is, most people are exposed to power in some, you know, in some way. You know, we got our computers, we got our cell phones, we got our electronics, we got microwaves, we got household appliances, electrical outlets, all those things are emitting, you know, those electromagnetic frequencies. And them in and of themselves aren't necessarily evil per se. It's just that we've locked, we've lacked the ability to neutralize or discharge them, maybe for lack of a better term, by grounding ourselves, getting it into the charge of the earth, um, getting your bare hands, your feet on a soil, or using even you know certain technologies out there now to ground yourself so that you can get those those negative uh, charges, and they help offset the positive charges to really discharge that over you know, kind of um, charged nature that becomes eventually a lot of inflammation is associated with that, actually. Um, there's a lot of inflammation associated with EMFs. Um, a lot of neurological things can happen with EMFs. It's just a constant stress that's put on our body. And in today's world, with where electronics, cell phones, computers are everywhere, um, it's a big issue and people need to, you know, consider being grounded in order to take care of that. I think um, so. And just to interject there, I think it's very yeah. interesting to look at some of the uh, the warnings that appear. For example, a mobile phone. If you open up a brand new mobile phone, have a look at the manual at the back, there'll always be a warning now, basically saying that you shouldn't use the mobile phone up against your ear. Now, we all use phones against our ears. That's, uh, I suppose, how most people would, would hear. But... I mean, there's something up there, certainly, when you're looking at a warning like that on the packaging. I mean, there, there are asses being covered left, right and centre. And with us being electrical beings, it stands to reason that if we're being exposed then to electromagnetic frequencies that we haven't been exposed to on a constant basis in the past, it's going to pose some problems. It's going to upset the balance. And we should be resonating with the earth, as you said. So I think it's very interesting that you mentioned grounding. What are one or two methods that people could use to ground themselves? Because EMF is a big one for me personally. It's something that's very, very difficult now to avoid, even if you're assiduous in avoiding it to a large degree in your own home or in your workplace or whatever. All you have to do is walk out in the street or you can't do anything necessarily about your neighbours if they have Wi-Fi on all the time. So what can people do to offset EMF? Well, I think the the simplest and the least expensive method um, of offsetting EMFs is just to become grounded more often. And that's simply just getting your bare hands or you know bare skin it really is, is what it's all about. So, you know, that may be, you know, your feet um, or your hands 
uh, on the soil, on the sand, you know, on the grass, even on concrete, you could do as long as it's not sealed or something like that, because concrete is traditionally made up of sand and water, right? Earth materials, right? Mm. It's really about getting in contact with any kind of earth material. So to become properly grounded, the easiest and cheapest way is to have, you know, either you're in your garden, maybe with your hands, or you're just sitting out, maybe outside in a lawn chair on the lawn and just having your feet firmly planted uh, on a concrete deck or, or the soil or grass or, you know, the beach, all those kinds of things. And I know that's not easy for everyone, depending on the time of year, especially, especially in Canada now, you know, we're getting to that season where soon snow will fall and standing out in the... Um, in the in the snow <laughs> for 30 minutes with your bare feet might cause some other health problems um, <laughs> that, you, that you don't want to deal with. But but when you can during those seasons, you can. That's the most important and cheapest thing you can do. But fortunately now too, there's technology out there, um, earthing technology that has allowed things like um, you know different um, earthing sheets, you know things half sheets that you could put on your bed or even pillows, yeah. pillowcases, other things like that that really physically um, they plug into a grounding outlet into your into your wall. So as long as your grounding outlet's working properly and that outlet has been grounded properly by you know electrician, then you are by proxy grounded. So being able to um, sleep on a grounding sheet eight hours a night is a, is a phenomenal benefit for people, especially those dealing with inflammation. Um, and I always tell people it's one of the easiest things I'll ever recommend anyone do is basically you sleep on this. It's as easy as it gets um, for health benefits is just sleeping on a half sheet on your bed that's been properly grounded. So that's probably the best advice I could give. Back to some of the toxins then, because I've heard you speak and read some of your articles that have included one or two ones that I have to say I was quite struck by and I thought, right, well, a lot of people need to know this. One of them is water, Derek. Water, surely that's the most pure, fundamental life force that we have. I mean, how can that be toxic? Wow, yeah, and that's <laughs> that's a big one too, right? Water, people have been, um, have had different chemicals, you know, obviously, well, we've all had different chemicals put in our water over time for, you know, our quote-unquote safety. And, um, you know, water, you know, in, in, the, in its purest form is spring water. Being able to find a pure spring water um, source that obviously has been identified as pure, um, and unfortunately not all of them are as well. Um, but, you know, over time, uh, water has been purposely treated, um, you know, for different things, uh, maybe different toxins. But as a result, they've introduced other toxins like fluoride, uh, chlorine, other things like that that have been shown over the years. They're showing they're very damaging towards people's health. Um, again, these are not things that belong inside the body. So they've actually probably rendered uh, more health problems as a result of adding that to the supply as opposed to maybe going to a more natural method and having, you know, some people having to deal with maybe toxic runoff from a farmer's field in a spring. Yeah. Um, they're probably much safer off over time in that situation than ingesting fluorid fluoridated or chlorine ridden water over time. Um, and you know, water is very old, you know, it's been on the earth, <laughs> you know, since the beginning of time and over time, you know, different chemicals, it's very, uh, it picks up those chemicals. And I think they say now there's over 21 different, 2100 different toxic chemicals have been detected in America's water system um, with fluoride, chlorine and VOCs um, being some of the, the main suspects. And, you know, I know they, they had done this for our, benefit so they say but 
over time, um, some of the things that they said they would do for us actually has been kind of the opposite. You know, they've increased cavities and bone fractures. In a lot of cases, people have researched that that's actually been the case rather than the opposite. Yeah. Um, you know, created behavioral problems, increased the cancer death rates because this stuff bioaccumulates in your tissues and is often stored in the brain and even in the thyroid. Um, and thyroid issues are a big issue. I see that all the time now and they can cause fatigue, weakness, you know, lowering of IQ. Um, and, you know, there's lots of things that you and I could probably go off on with, with that, John, and why that actually was added to our to our supply and if it was actually done for our benefit. Absolutely. But really, you know, this, the, the bottom line is they've treated the water to save us from those types of chemicals, uh, or not from those types of chemicals, but from those types of things that may be lurking in a, in, a, in a water supply just, you know, down in the stream. But in reality, I think over time, we would have had far less health issues if we would just try to secure our own pure, you know, drinking water source um, than, than going that route. Yeah, and I think it stands to reason then that considering how much of the human body is made up of water, if our water is toxic in some form, well, then it's going to cause huge, huge problems. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when with estimates of us being seventy to seventy-five percent water, um, and you know, and you mentioned before us being electrical beings, and that water, you know, triggering electrical impulses and working with your body. If you have something that's very contaminated and something that's so easily absorbed into your body, um, you know, that's a that's a big issue. I mean, water is pure. Water is one of you know three fundamental things I, that people have to get right for their health. Pure water is a big deal. You know, vitamin D, sunshine is a big deal. And grounding, which I just mentioned, is a big deal. Those are three fundamental things that were given to us on this planet that we can all get for free if we can find the right sources. But unfortunately, we're lacking in all three. And that's caused fundamentally a lot of health problems along with malnourishment and obviously a number of toxins. Yeah, and I think then the converse of malnourishment is when people are, uh, well, we shouldn't say nourishment at all, but when people overeat and when they eat the wrong things, because there are toxins present in quite a lot of the foods that we eat, in a huge amount of the food that we eat on a daily basis, particularly for those, which is the vast majority, who might go to the supermarket and buy their food there. So, I mean, you've identified in the past a number of things such as coffee, um, animal protein, meat, that kind of thing. I mean, what, what would sh- should we be looking out for in our food and be very aware of with regard to toxins, Derek? Well, you know, and, and many people have harped on this and it really comes down to a decision for people to decide to, to change what they put in their mouth because that's a big deal in terms of what's going to happen with your health. But obviously the general statement is around processed foods. You know, any um, more man-made foods or, or foods that are packaged for our convenience um, you know, foods that can sit on the store shelves for years and actually not naturally deteriorate. And I think when you think about that, you realize how sick that really is um, and what have they done to this type of food because food should naturally deteriorate uh, over time. And um, the fact that it's not and it's being able to sit on store shelves for the profitability, obviously, of the companies that are are making them, um, as a result, you know, we've become sick. Um, so, you know, in processed foods, there's lots of different things to look for, obviously. Um, you know, you have lots of hydrogenated fats that have been put into foods. We have lots of preservatives um, that have been put into foods in various formats. You know, we have um, things like, you know, people have heard of MSG. Um, you know, that's put into a lot of foods. A lot of sugar put into foods. A lot of, um, actually, a lot of GMO products put into foods, right? Um, things that have been overproduced, like corn. And soy, those you know, I think there's a movie. I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's I think it's called King Corn, actually. Yeah, I've about seen how it. much corn is really in our food supply? It's actually pretty disgusting how much corn is in our food supply and genetically modified at that. 
and it's injected into everything because corn is so cheap and it can be put into many different forms and some people might not just see it as corn, they might see it as other things like maltodextrin, mm. which is something that's very high in the glycemic scale. That's almost it's in a lot of different processed foods, especially what I would call junk foods, you know, chips and snacks and things like that. You'll find those types of things in there. Um, obviously there's different things like aspartame and artificial sweeteners which have absolutely zero um, zero um, what am I looking for? They have no place in our body. You yeah. know, aspartame is seriously one of the most disgusting things someone could put inside their body willingly that people do. And lots of neurological issues. But again, that's in a lot of different things. And some things you might not expect, not necessarily just in diet sodas. It could be in yogurt. You know, you're buying a yogurt, you think yourself you're doing yourself a favor and you're buying some yogurt off of the shelf, thinking you're getting some probiotics, but actually you're picking up something with modified milk ingredients, sucralose or aspartame, um, you know, all these kinds of, you know, lots of sugar, you know, in the, in the end, this supposed health food really isn't health food at all. It's really become something actually toxic. So it, the, the irony is that, you know, we've, we've talked about these things, but the way that man has always processed them, as soon as we get our hands in there and try to make them better, try to make them cheaper, get more profits, the people as a result suffer. And, you know, I could go on and on because there is a number of different things, um, obviously, in the food supply that we need to look out for. And it's an exhaustive list. Um, and, you know, we could talk all day about the amount of toxins um, that are in our food supply. But, you know, really what it comes down to is you need to focus on whole food. Um, there's really no other way to go about it. You need to steer away from traditionally the middle aisles and stay on the outside um, where, you know, the whole foods are. So whether it's in produce being a big one, you, know, you need to spend more time in the produce section. Um, if you're going to spend time in the animal protein section, then we need to look at cleaner sources of animal protein. Um, you know, you need to look at grass-fed rather than grain-fed. You need to look at organic. You know, we know that cattle um, and, and chickens and things like that are fed disgusting things. Again, even things like arsenic to fatten them up, that's been found in the supply for chickens, which no one would ever think that actually, that someone would actually do that on purpose. Wow. But it's been proven it's been done. You know, inject with hormones, antibiotics, other things to keep those things quote-unquote healthy but in the end, we get to consume that. So you need to look for clean, organic, especially the higher up the food chain. Higher up the food chain, the more accumulation of toxins, the more that you take in when you consume that. So you need higher up the food chain, you need to be a little bit more diligent in terms of what you're eating because it needs to be cleaner um, than anything else. Um, you know, to go back briefly, a couple other products that I had thought of are a couple things because there's so many. But some of the main ones in processed foods, um, high fructose corn syrup, yeah. which a lot of people are obviously familiar with. That one is in everything. Again, a corn product, another corn product that they've created. Um, we've talked about MSG, aspartame, hydrogenated oils, uh, soy protein, isolate. You know, that's in a lot of protein powders. A lot of people in this protein craze are you know ingesting a lot of soy protein isolate. It's a lot of stuff. Soy is very difficult to digest. And I don't really recommend it to anybody unless you have it organic, non-GMO, uh, and fermented is the only way that I would tell people to eat soy. Sodium nitrites, a lot of people heard that, right? And a lot of deli meats, you know, in, in bacon and different things like that. Ham, that's very toxic. Um, you know, we talked about refined sugar. That one's a big issue. Enriched flour. You know, and when you look at that initially, you think to yourself, John, enriched flour. Yeah, that, sounds that great. That good, right? It's yeah. enriched. It's enriched with something. Exactly. I, again, irony. Strip all the nutrients out of it to make it a white flour and then synthetically add some stuff in and then let's call it enriched. Right. These are some of the tricks that are being played on people. They think they're actually doing themselves a favor 
where they really aren't. And then we have the genetically modified foods, you know, the big ones of corn and soy. And then you're obviously dealing with sugar beets. You know, they're talking about wheat being, you know, GMO. And, you know, that that's they're kind of going down that road and tomatoes and lots of different things. And even they're creating more and more foods as we go along. And, you know, that's a big issue. And and like I said, maltodextrin, those are probably the some of the maybe the top 10 that I would say with a number of other ones. Um, but you know what? The bottom line is if you're going to eat food and you want to be sure that what you're eating is healthy, stay in the whole food section and just be aware of what foods are genetically modified. And if you focus on that um, and make that a larger part of your diet, you're going to avoid um, a lot more toxins, obviously, assuming that it's clean and, and more organic than not. Um, you're going to avoid a lot of toxins just by staying in those aisles than getting into the processed sections where man has got their little profitable hands on it. And soy is a very interesting one because down through the years, particularly over the last decade, we've been led to believe through clever advertising that soy is the most health beneficial product and it's a substitute for A, B, C and D that we should be eliminating from our diets. But that's not the case and not just for GMO reasons. I mean, you you mentioned there are a lot of soy products and soy proteins used now, especially in meat substitute. A lot of people are issuing red meat and they're using substitute products and a lot of them tend to be either corn or soy based. And the type of soy that we are now introducing into our diets on a massive scale globally is no no better for us than the GMO corn that people are consuming that's causing so many problems. So I think soy is a tricky one for a lot of people. While, while many people are becoming aware of, for example, the potential dangers of uh, the wrong type of red meat or the potential dangers of uh, gluten or a wheat-based diet, they're substituting it with things such as corn and soy that can be equally dangerous to our bodies. Is that the case or am I completely wide of the mark there, Derek? No, I, I think you're, you're definitely on the right path. And it, it's, sometimes it comes down to, I always say it comes down to progression. And sometimes it comes down to, you know, making the best choices you have or choosing the best of two evils in some cases, which is maybe what's happening there where, you know, you're avoiding one thing, um, but then you go down another route and you're actually consuming something that over time could create as many health problems. Um, And you're right, you know, avoiding, um, you know, meat to an extent is not a bad idea. And if you're vegan or vegetarian, you know, that's okay too. You just need to understand how to get nutrients and minerals that you can get maybe a little bit more readily available in certain animal proteins. But at the same breath, if you if you, if you decide to give up meat altogether, um, which some people decide to do, uh, which is fine, but then they go down that road of consuming more corn products and more soy products, if they're actually eating clean pieces of meat, if that was if it wasn't a philosophical decision, it was just a health decision. If they yeah. eat cleaner portions of meat and kind of moderated the amount they ate, that's probably in the end much healthier than consuming genetically modified corn and soy, um, and even organic corn and soy. I would say that's better. But even just eating organic corn and soy, they're both very difficult to digest, um, and and soy is a big hormone disruptor, and that's part of the problem when you get fooling around the digestive system and a lot of our digestive systems aren't working properly as I indicated before lots of different reasons processed foods being one of them you know antibiotics being a big deal you know dental fillings we talked about before a lot of that um, screws with your with your uh, intestinal ecology and if you're going to go down that route um, you need to have a very strong intestinal system unfortunately most of us don't and trying to digest corn um, even organic corn is not that easy um, trying to digest soy that's not fermented like miso or tempa again extremely difficult for us to digest and if you don't digest those things properly that's where things start to go south in the gut. You don't digest things properly, then things become rendered toxic. Um, 
um, you know, things get left inside the intestinal system that should be properly either absorbed into the bloodstream or removed through conventional removal methods, obviously. Um, and, and if that doesn't happen, then this stuff could be reabsorbed into our bloodstream and it can throw off toxins and cause a whole host of issues that maybe the other stuff wouldn't have if you actually consumed it. So you have to be careful. Um, about you know the route that you go down if you choose to not eat certain products and you substitute other ones in, you need to do a bit of your you need to do a bit of research and understand that you're not maybe making a substitute that's either as bad as or worse um, than what you were already previously doing. Yeah, because I'm quite aware of the fact that we may have in one clean sweep wiped out 90% of the diets of the majority of listeners to the show and that's going to pose problems straight off the bat for a lot of people in terms of the hassle now of having to do their own research with regard to food and having to decide what it is they can and can't eat and people will talk about their busy lifestyles and how they haven't got time to cook etc etc but there is really no compromise with regard to that I mean it is a case of you make the decision or you don't and you back that decision fully yourself or you don't and I think the health problems that you've managed to alleviate are testament to that. So how difficult was it to make the break for you, Derek, or how difficult then? I mean, you had a particular incentive to do it, for, but for the average Johnny or Mary who are sitting in, in Canada or Ireland or Australia, wherever it might be, and they don't have any particular health problems that they're aware of at this point, and they're thinking, but you know what, I'm just fine. I can just carry on eating what I'm doing because it doesn't necessarily affect me. And tomorrow's another day and I'll deal with it if, if that's the case. What would you say to them or how can they get on the right path? Because let's face it, everybody has to get on the right path or there will be some kind of implication health-wise down the road. It mightn't be today or tomorrow, but it will happen. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was, it was extremely simple. I mean, um, at that point in time, I really didn't have much of a choice and just being the mindset that I have, which I, I realize maybe is not a common mindset out there, um, you know, I, I knew that this was easy because this was the route that I needed to take. And I'm, you know, a very disciplined uh, person. And when I need to do something in the beginning, if it's different for me, I can do it um, if I ha- if I understand what the outcome or I know what the outcome is going to be. So it's extremely easy for me, but I understand for most people it's not. You know, we have this little addiction with food. And um, again, you know, we could argue, you know, back and forth and we'd probably actually be on the same line of thought, John, but, you know, there's different things that are created in certain ways to make us addicted to them. You know, there's certain flavor enhancers um, that are put in food that make us neurologically crave them. Yeah. Um, there's certain things that happen inside our body um, when you start to have a bacterial or a, a fungal overgrowth that needs to be fed by sugar, then there's certain things in our body that are calling the shots for us. They're, they're demanding these things to be fed to them and we're, and we're no longer calling the shots inside our body um, because something else that's living inside of it that's flourishing is calling those shots. And um, I didn't think, you know, and I was starting to to become healthy. It was an interest of mine um, before everything kind of blew up in my face. Um, and for me, that that's a sign for everyone else. I was in, you know, standard terms, I was perfectly healthy up to that moment. All of a sudden, boom. All of a sudden, all these health problems started just coming fast and furious. Yeah. And it was clear that something was lingering under the surface. There was something there that was just waiting to trigger to something to happen, whether it be a life event. You know, stress often will trigger some of these things. Um, you know, retiring, unfortunately, for some reason, with some people's retirement, it's kind of a different, you're under the certain kind of stress, and that stress gets relieved, and the body starts to do funny things. Sometimes that happens with a lot of different people. So, just because you don't think anything's going on, and a lot of people maybe don't necessarily have the body awareness 
that, you know, that I would have right now as an example that took me a long time to figure out. But when you have a body awareness and you understand certain things that are considered normal, you know, like allergies, like getting sick, you know, three or four times a year or being chronically tired and all these things, you know, we blame them on certain things like sleep or children or whatever. And some of those things may be causing the problems, but they're just not really seeing the signs already that these are signs of a bigger problem, a bigger problem to come down the road that eventually will come. Um, You know, these things you can't, it's like trying to avoid gravity. You know, you don't want to do that. That's not going to turn out well. You know, if you're you're going to try to challenge gravity, if you're going to try to challenge food and you're going to eat foods that are cheap and the result don't nourish your body, eventually there will be a reckoning. Um, And I can't, and I can't really sugarcoat that because that's really what's going to happen. I can't change what's going to happen with people. You may be genetically set up better than other people. Maybe you can get away with more things over a longer period of time, but eventually things will happen. If you consume these processed man-made foods, GMO foods, these toxins, eventually something is going to happen. So you got to decide whether you want to wait for that to happen. You want to wait for, you know, you hear often people say, you know, they were perfectly healthy. They were doing all this stuff and all of a sudden, boom, cancer. Where did that come from? Yeah. They don't realize that that cancer has been lurking in their body for years, just waiting to be manifested in a way that they would actually recognize it or they, they would be diagnosed by it. Mm. And those things are happening. And you got to realize food was put on this planet. The food that's been put on this planet by nature for a reason was made to be put inside our bodies. That's, that's our symbiotic relationship with nature. We need to eat those types of foods because those are the foods that are set up for us to eat. They weren't meant to be modified for us. You know, some, if you change them in a way, maybe if you condense them or do different things, that's okay. Some of the health food companies do that. But when you start modifying them, that's where part of the issue comes in. That's not the only thing. But then when you start adding in, you know, man-made chemicals into them, then we start slowly introducing that into your body. So number one, you got to decide to yourself, do I really want to go down that road and risk it and decide that eventually something's going to pop up and I'm going to do what the traditional person does, which is have, you know, not too much regard for my health, just eat basically what I want and then spend the last, you know, 18 months in exquisite pain towards my death, which is what happens to a lot of people. Then they have, then again, there's that reckoning that, oh, that whole time it comes in, you know, this kind of exquisite, painful process that a lot of people go through and it might be cancer. It could be any other number of diseases or, you know, you spend the last 20, 30, 40 years of your life with a very low quality of life. Is that what you want? You know, you sure you can eat these foods, but where's the quality of life? It's not just about living longer when you decide to eat better. It's about a higher quality of life on a day-to-day basis mm. is really what I'm talking about. Do you want to have more energy every day? Do you want to be happier every day? Do you want to feel like your body's working, no pain every day? I'm sure everyone would say yes to that. So then you have to make a decision. Okay, so is what I'm doing now, is that going to facilitate that? Or do I need to adopt a diet that nourishes my body properly, keeps the toxins out so that it can just do the job that it's meant to do. Because if you feed it well enough in any kind of way and you eliminate toxins out of your system, there's really health comes down to two things. You want to boil it down. It comes down to um, nourishment and toxins. If you can properly nourish yourself and eliminate toxins out of your body, then you're going to be good health. But if you're malnourished and you introduce a lot of toxins to your body, you're going to cause a lot of problems. And you got to decide in the end is that something that you want? Do you want to go down that road and you want to risk it? If you do, then of course, that's ultimately your choice. But if you want to make a better decision, then it's just start transitioning. You don't have to go wholesale overnight. You know, I know, I realize this is a lifestyle transition for some people. People are working, people are busy. 
sometimes they're busy watching TV, but you know, that's not my call. That's something they want to do rather than prepare supper or prepare a good dinner rather you know, than you know, get takeout rather than actually go home and make a meal. We've kind of gotten into this society where we've things kind of flipped, where we had those traditional meals, maybe around you know, family time and things like that, where we actually prepare things um, in the home and we've come more of takeout or you know, throwing a pizza in the oven and get off to Johnny's soccer practice, all those kinds of things. And we've really gotten in a hurry doing I'm not sure what, but not taking care of ourselves. So when you decide that you actually want to transition and you want to do that, just start introducing more whole foods into your diet. And I would say, you know, your mother was right. You need more vegetables in your diet. You know, vegetables are really the key behind health. They contain lots of nutrients, lots of minerals, lots of vitamins. Fruit is good as well, um, obviously, you know, produce period. But vegetables, I, I would say more so a part of your diet. If you can start making that more part of your diet, fruits to a lesser extent to avoid some of the high sugar fruits that can feed different intestinal issues. Issues. Yep. Um, if you can start going down that route and just start eliminating, as we know, the toxins, you know, eliminating the processed foods and spend more time in the in the whole foods aisle. And believe me, there's lots of foods there. I know as soon as I talk to people about these are some things that you shouldn't eat, these are things that you should eat. Someone says, well, what is there left to eat? And I'm sure you've heard that before, John, as well. What's there left to eat? You've taken yeah. everything out of my diet. And I always say, you know what? There's lots. There's hundreds of foods to eat that you've never even seen or considered because you're too much spending too much time in the processed food aisle yeah. consuming 20 different foods. That's the irony. Most people say, what's left to eat? And I say, you're usually eating about 20 different types of foods on a daily basis for your entire life. There's hundreds of other foods that you haven't even introduced yourself to. So ironically, there's a lot more foods out there than even the ones you're currently eating. You have way more variety than you even understand because you're spending the you're spending time in the wrong spots in the grocery store. So, you know, when it comes down to it, you really have to decide that you want to be healthier, that you don't want a health problem to blow up in your face. You want a higher quality of life. And to start that, start eliminating the problematic foods out of your diet. Start looking at eliminate, how eliminating dairy goes, how eliminate, eliminating gluten, you know, wheat products, even grain products for a larger extent of your diet for a while. See how that goes. Um, alcohol, again, is a big one. Um, maybe certain uh, meat products like pork, start eliminating some of those things uh, out of your diet. See how that goes. Those are some of the big ones. Um, and start eliminating you know, processed foods, hydrogenated fats, those ingredients I talked about, those top 10. Start getting those processed foods out and start putting things in your fridge, on your counter, that can actually expire within maybe a week or two. That's maybe your best your best bet to think about it that way. Is like eat more produce, eat things that can actually expire, you know, within a week or two, um, and eat more fresh whole foods. And you're probably going to find yourself in a much better place health wise. And just keep on going down that route, and you'll learn more and more about what foods are benefiting you specifically, and um, you know, and which ones aren't. And over time, you'll have a better body awareness, and you'll you'll keep on going down that road that I went down, and ultimately increase your quality of life to however far you want to take it. I really like that step-by-step -step approach because it's not the case that you just all of a sudden have to stop eating everything that you were eating and exist on cabbage soup for the next six months. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that's not going to do you any good either. And with, with my own personal journey with regard to food and dramatically changing my attitude and my relationship with food with massive health benefits like yourself, one of the things that I noticed was as I gradually eliminated certain things and added different things to my diet, uh, mainly vegetable based, I, I was able to actually isolate what was causing particular problems within my body. And it's going to be different for everybody because there is no magic wand that can be waved and there, there's no kind of template that will work for everybody. But I was able, for example, um, 
to identify gluten with certain skin issues that I had been told were just inherent and probably hereditary and this this kind of thing. And I've been told that for 30 odd years by the medical establishment. And I was able to then eventually, when I eliminated gluten from my diet, it cleared up a number of problems, including all of my skin problems almost overnight. And if there is a slip in my diet then, and I have experimented with deliberate slips, it goes back to the old pattern and the old rashes and the old eczema and asthma and that kind of thing. And it's nourishing to the mind as well to to go down this path and to actually make these discoveries for yourself. It can be quite enjoyable because there's a huge sense of empowerment that I have certainly discovered. And maybe you discover the same thing, Derek, when you actually do take control of your body and your own health and you realize, right, well, it's not in the lap of the gods and it's not in the lap of my local doctor either or a hospital or whatever it might be. It's up to myself whether or not I want to be healthy and as a result happy and there is a link between the two and that sense of empowerment is hugely nourishing to the mind as well as the body. Did you find that also? Absolutely and you know I think if you you said to most people would you like to have more independence? Um, Would you like to have more freedom? Um, You know and, 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 and be able to do things on your own rather than having to rely on somebody else. I think most people would say yes. I think inherently, you know, the very source of us is wants to be free Mm. and being able to take care of yourself and the most fundamental thing that you can take care of yourself, your body. This is not something you can escape. You know, you can't escape your body right now anyway, right? We have to, we have to carry this thing around us. You know, we're carrying this meat suit around and we have to deal with what goes on inside of it. It's not like you can just take a vacation away from it like you might from, you know, your family or your kids, right? We can't do these things. We can't take a vacation from our body. It's there. We have to work with it. And when you become empowered to be able to, um, you know, go through personal experience, which in my opinion, once you've had a personal experience of a health problem and you're able to uproot it yourself and you can use yourself as a lab rat, maybe as a, as a term to use, I did that for years, had to sound like you have to an extent, John, as well, testing gluten, maybe testing things purposely yeah. to see how you react now. And I've done that myself over a period of years and I'm just, I'm enthralled by the body so I do different things to see how different things react and over time when you understand how it works, it's like I don't really need to rely on a doctor. I don't need to be going to hospitals for 95% of things that I need to deal with. Maybe in acute cases, obviously, yes, that, that could, you know, if I break my arm, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. Yeah. But if you can largely keep yourself out of there, I don't think anyone really wants to be in hospital, to be honest. I don't think anyone says, I'd really like to be in hospital right now. The sights, you know, the smells of things, obviously the types of people that obviously are sick that need to be in the hospital, this is not somewhere where a healthy person wants to necessarily go. They want to no. be in their own home. In a lot of cases, they probably want to take care of themselves in their home. It's like, a, it's like going to a mechanic. You know, I have to take my car to a mechanic. Do I like it? No, because I'd rather be able to take it on my own because I don't know if that mechanic, what that mechanic's going to do. Are they going to put me through the ringer or are they going to charge me more than they need to? All those kinds of things. Yeah. I like to be empowered to know how to take care of myself. So the same thing with your body. I think once you have that uh, independence and that freedom of understanding how your body works and you don't need to rely on any system, let alone the conventional system, to largely take care of your health, that's a really empowering feeling. And I think once you get that feeling, you don't really want to go back. And what then of supplementation? Because it's not always possible for everybody to get every single nutrient that's required for optimal health from food at all times of the year. So, and for example, I live in Ireland and we don't get a, a huge amount of sun. We don't get any in the winter at all. So vitamin D is important for me to supplement. So what of supplementation? What's your attitude towards it? Uh, what are the pitfalls then associated with it as well? 
in your supp- supplementation is a pit um, and it's again another rabbit hole that you could go down for the rest of your life and maybe never ever figure it out if you don't understand what's going on mm. and um, and you have to be careful it's it's something you definitely need to navigate you need to understand what certain supplements do you need to understand good supplements for example because you know just because they're a health supplement out there doesn't mean that that's healthy for you there's lots of supplements that you know people again um, are you know cutting with different things um, that are you know lowering the the nutritional value of that supplement and they may not be doing a lot at all because you may not be consuming what you think you're consuming. Again, that's a whole other thing. You have to do research. You have to see trusted companies that have been there for a while. You need to understand, just like you need to understand where your food's coming from, you need to understand where your supplementation's coming from. Who are these people that are creating these things? Does it look like they actually care about the environment, about people and things like that? You have to start you know, using your instinct when it comes to those types of things. And you need to be careful about, like I said, the line of supplementation you go down because Many people will start going down, you know, very, very specific supplementations. They're kind of getting, you know, they're micromanaging things where really maybe they have some macro problems like vitamin D deficiency. You know, maybe they're working on some hormonal problems and they start taking DHEA because someone tells them to take it. And in the meanwhile, they're taking this DHEA and who knows how good that supplement is, uh, depending on who they've got it from, but they have a severe vitamin D deficiency or they have a severe adrenal problem. Well, you need to focus on those things first before you start getting into, in my opinion, and before you start getting into micromanaging things like DHEA and all those types of things. So what I normally tell people is if you don't know specifically and you're not working with a naturopath or maybe you're not sure, I always refer to what I call foundational supplementation. Right. So these are things that foundationally people – this is what, how you would supplement in the beginning, in the very best. And then if you need to work things out and you need to go another route, you can do that. But as you and I know, you can't build a house by putting in the windows first. You need to you know, pour the concrete slab or build the foundation first in order, before you can start worrying about any of those things. So you know, what are some foundational supplementation uh, supplements that you should consider? Well, in my opinion, vitamin D. It's a big one, especially if you're living in regions, which is probably most of the world, um, and living in regions that don't have a lot of sun. Or if you're not consuming a lot of certain kinds of clean fish products like cod uh, or cod liver, um, actually. You know, that, that, those are some things like you, some people might wonder, well, how do people up north do it where they have, you know, it's dark 24 hours a day for a certain amount of periods of the year. These, these, these people are eating things like cod liver oil on a day-to-day basis, which is a good fundamental uh, food-based source of vitamin D, but they're eating it consistently on a day-to-day basis. We're not doing that. You know, John, I think you're in Ireland, not necessarily a lot of sun in Ireland. Um, you know, and I'm in Canada, not necessarily, maybe a bit more, I'm not sure, but a little bit more sun here. And unless you're living in some of the sunny areas in the south, vitamin D is not something that we're going to get on a day-to-day basis. So you need to consider supplementation, either a, vit- a good vitamin D supplement um, or even something like a fermented cod liver oil is a good a good source of vitamin D um, in those months where the sun goes away. When the sun comes out, get out and get the free stuff. You can store it for a period of time. I think you know if you, if you have good storage capacity, you can store it up for three months. Um, so then there'll be a certain period of time, depending on how, much, you know, how long it's cloudy or gray or not enough sun going on, or you can't expose your skin because it's minus 40 outside. Like it could be in Canada. You know, it might be <laughs> sunny out, but I'm not exposing my skin to this. Yeah. Um, then you need to consider that kind of supplementation over those months. There's other things too, um, you know, like those different machines that, that have those um, certain rays that obviously help with that. And you can consider those too. There's some people that have had benefits from those. So vitamin D, though, is a foundational thing you need to consider. Enzymes is another one. 
you know, enzymes are responsible for thousands of biochemical reactions. If without enzymes, we're literally dead. So we need enzymes in a big way. Get a lot of that through your food. Um, you can get that through your food if you're eating whole foods and lots of them. But if you're really deficient and you're and you're not that whole foods based, then you need to consider supplementation with enzymes, either digestive or systemic or both. Um, but getting enzymes into your body is critical foundationally for you to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Probiotics is another one, right? A lot of people are talking about probiotics. A lot of people are taking probiotics. A lot of them are taking probiotic supplements that maybe aren't so good. Some of them don't get through, you know, the, the stomach acid. Some of them don't get to the spot they actually need to get to mm. to um, start seeding themselves in the body. And so for me, you know, I think that supplementation is okay there. But I also encourage people to eat food-based sources in this case um, when it comes to supplementation. So eat that sauerkraut. Eat that kimchi, that kefir. You know, apple cider vinegar, get that in your foods. Kombuchas, you need another way. Those are some good probiotic rich foods. You know, we used to have probiotics in our soil, um, you know, to an extent, but it, it, the soil has been so stripped that now it's very, very difficult to get even probiotics in your food. Um, you know, and obviously the minerals and everything else have been stripped, so that's very difficult. So, but probiotics, one way or another, if you can find a good supplement, search it out. But some of those foods are an excellent example. Minerals, just talked about that. Minerals, a lot of health problems can trace back to someone having one, you know, just one mineral deficiency. But sometimes it comes down to having a one to two severe mineral deficiencies. Again, not eating whole foods. When you process all these foods and that's the majority of your diet, you're stripping all those minerals out of there. By the time you get to them, they're almost non-existent, you know, or we cook our food to death mm. um, all the time. You know, some cooking is not a bad idea, but cooking it to death all the time, eating processed foods, all the stuff strips the minerals out that are really already kind of um, scarce in our soils, again, from what we've done to them. So that's why you got to choose you know, some, some more organic methods, maybe people who don't till the soil every year and get more minerals, eat more whole food base. But you can also get sources uh, of minerals in different ways in liquid formats and, and other formats. But minerals is a big deal. This is, your body needs minerals to operate effectively. The last one that I would probably consider on a foundational basis is essential fatty acids. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about omega-3s. You know, omega-3s became one of the, in my mind, was one of the first big things that came out in terms of supplementation for people. Everyone got on the omega-3 bandwagon in terms of taking them. And omega-3s certainly are important. We've taken a lot more omega-6s than 3s over our lifetime. And people do need to understand that you do need both. But you know, the ratio is about three to one from sixes to threes. But the typical diet now is between 20 to one and 50 to one in favor of omega sixes. So we just need to make sure that we kind of balance that out and make sure that we get um, more essential fatty acids in our diet. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. You can do fish oil um, or oils that have threes and sixes, and maybe even nines in there that, to help that balance. Um, you can do that or you can supplement with different things like hemp, for mm-hmm. example, you know, putting that in a smoothie. Um, you can have oil or chia, things like that. You know, hemp has um, been known as or has been described as the perfect um, ratio. It's, it's a three to one ratio of sixes to threes. So you get that ratio again out of nature. No surprise there, right? We, we, the ratios are always what is in nature. And we, when we try to isolate things and make them synthetic, which a lot of the supplements are out there, it's synthetic. You're looking at multivitamins, things like that are just synthetically extracted vitamins and nutrients. Those aren't the way that that's not the best way to absorb those nutrients, is simply not the way to go. Whole foods, nature has put them in a way that all those elements together synergistically work together. When you start extracting those things and putting them in multi-mineral formulas and things like that, then you start to take away the the ability to assimilate those nutrients. So it doesn't matter if you're tossing down that centrum. 
down your stomach, if you, a lot of it's going outside your body, it's, it's having zero value to you. You're literally flushing your money down the toilet. You need to, if you're going to look at things like that and you're going to look at supplementation, look at whole food supplementation, things that have been created from whole foods and maybe put into powders or liquids or things like that, things that haven't been maybe extracted um, completely and they use more of that whole food base. So, you know, supplementation is a long, there's lots of different things you could do. There's, you could go on for the rest of your life supplementing yourself, but I would encourage people to think about that foundational supplementation first. And then if you have to go into other supplementation to control things like inflammation, things like that, then do your research, make sure you use a trusted company and because um, they're not all created equal. And if you go down that road, um, eventually um, you'll find yourself in a much better place. And there is something I wanted to briefly touch on before we wrap things up as well, Derek, because there are a huge number of people who will not, under any circumstances, compromise on this. And it's that cup of coffee in the morning or the eight cups of coffee in a lot of people's cases as well. <laughs> now, it, it's, I mean, we, most of us know that there are many, many toxins and mycotoxins in coffee. What can people do to offset that? Because I just know there are so many people listening out there and with all the best intent, intent in the world, they're not going to give up that coffee. So what can they do? Okay, so let's talk about what coffee is and what it does, and then then we'll be able to then I'll be able to tell you so what you do to offset that, so they understand yeah. what the issue with coffee is. Um, you know, some of the big things with coffee. First of all, if it's not organic, coffee is one of the most chemically treated plants, so that's a big issue in the beginning. So if you're going to drink coffee please make sure that it's clean, organic. Spend that extra little bit of money because if you don't, you are knowingly ingesting a lot of different toxins into your body. That's the first issue. Um, the second issue is caffeine. And obviously caffeine um, artificially stimulates um, people and people are like, yeah, that, that's the point, right? You know, That's why we drink coffee in a lot of cases is because we won't need that little pick-me-up. Um, and, and to kick, you know, get us going. And you know that might be okay in moderation or from time to time, but when you're dealing with a society that has severe adrenal issues as a whole, um, you know, and a lot of that's caused by stress, and obviously there's no no lack of stress going on in today's world with the economy and different things going on. People are suffering from stress, yeah. and um, you know, unfortunately, they go to their coffee to help with that to kind of give them the energy. But unfortunately, coffee artificially stimulates the adrenals, and over time, when you keep on stimulating those adrenals, over time they can eventually give out on you. And actually, the the irony around coffee is that you need more and more to get the same boost because you've the the energy that you went for in the first place with coffee eventually it wears your energy out. That's kind of the irony of, of, of drinking coffee for a longer period of time. Um, so we need to talk about what we'll do with the, on the adrenal side, which I will in a second. The other thing is it's very acidic. Um, you know, and if we're already consuming a, a slightly acidic diet, you know, most coffees are in the, you know, five and a half to six range. And um, most people know that the pH of the human body is kind of ideally in between 7.2, 7.4. And if you're eating lots of produce and eating lots of good foods, then that's maybe not as much of an issue. But if you're eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of grains, a lot of animal meats, dairies, things like that, you already are acidic. And coffee is just making the problem a lot worse. So you need to consider that. Also dehydrates you. We talked about water already. It's you know seventy up to seventy five percent of what um, of our body, and and we're dehydrating ourselves knowingly with coffee. And again, dehydration over time is going to cause a lot of different health issues. So what do we do? Well, dehydration. If you're going to drink your coffee, make sure that you're drinking an appropriate amount of water every single day. Um, a lot of people will say drink half the amount of your body weight in pounds in water. So if you weigh one hundred sixty pounds, you know drink. 80 ounces, sorry, so, so it's ounces to pounds. So drink 80 ounces of water, which would be about 10 glasses a day if you weigh 160 pounds. Make sure that you're well hydrated. That's, the, that's a big deal. Um, make sure that 
you're eating plenty of good produce, good whole foods, things that aren't acidic, which could be anything in the vegetable or fruit realm. If you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables and making that, you know, at least 50% of your diet, then you'll, you'll largely help alkalize your body. So that coffee maybe can be offset a bit. So it's not as, um, so the acidity is being offset by natural alkalinity of the other things that you're eating. So make sure that you do that. Offsetting the caffeine. Um, there's a number of different things that you could do for that. Um, in some cases, um, adaptogenic herbs can work really well with that because adaptogenic herbs can help um, with your adrenal function. You know, a lot of them are very good at replenishing the adrenals. Um, so putting something like, um, you know, reishi in your coffee. And that may sound strange to some people, but just a little bit wouldn't even affect the taste, especially if you're doctoring up with other things. Um, if you put a little bit of that in your coffee or take it maybe with a coffee in a supplement format to help offset the, the, the adrenal um, issues that you can get with coffee, help offset it with that. That could be a big deal. Um, I also should add things that people add to their coffee. Um, which is part of the issue as well. You start doing the triple sugar, triple cream, and you add your coffee into it, and it's all conventional dairy-based. you got a little bit of a toxic formula going on there. Mm. You know, if you're going to do that, you know, consider if you need to have dairy in it, consider maybe a sprouted nut milk of some sort. Or if you can get it, a raw milk would be much better. Organic in the very least. But if you can get raw, which is, di- I know, difficult to get, but if you can somehow source that, put that into your coffee instead. If you're milk-based, if you're sugar-based, look at better sugars. Um, you know, stay away from the sugar cubes, you know, the, little, the white refined sugar. Look at something maybe a little bit more alkaline, a little bit more mineral-rich. Um, like a coconut sugar, for example, would be an excellent thing to do. You know, in a pinch, you could use something like uh, uh, cane sugar that hasn't been stripped of all its nutrients, things like that. Improve upon that part of your coffee as well because when you do, when you combine uh, conventional coffee, John, like most people do, you have a conventional coffee, then you put pasteurized milk in it, and then you put white refined uh, sugar in it, mm. You've got a bit of a mess going on there. Yeah, you sure. really do. You, you've got a you've got a serious problem, of, and this is what a lot of people are addicted to. You know, it's your double doubles here in Canada. You know, at Tim Hortons, you got a bit of a problem going on there when you combine that stuff. So clean up all those areas, and that can, and you know, maybe you know, if you have one cup a day and you do all those things I mentioned, you can help um, make coffee a much healthier habit. Very good advice indeed. Have you heard of bulletproof coffee, Derek? I have. I haven't done a lot of research on Bulletproof Coffee, but um, I have. Is that something that you're drinking or something yeah, that you have interest it's, in? Yeah, I was never a coffee drinker before, but we had a guest on the show, Dave Asprey, who uh, you, you may have heard of. If not, you'll be able to find him on our website, alchemyradio.net. And he runs a website, The Bulletproof Executive, as well. And he was the guy who first made me aware of it. And basically, it sounds utterly ridiculous to uh, to those who haven't done the bit of research into what exactly the effect of it is. But... Um, it's a very specific type of coffee. Butter, grass-fed butter. We're lucky in Ireland that our, our butter is of a very high standard and it's the only small concession to dairy that I make in my diet personally. And MCT oil then, which is the coconut oil derivative. And that mixture, what it does is basically, now I've have I've an almost zero sugar-based diet as well, so there is the added benefit of basically my, my energy source isn't sugar at all. So... In the morning when I have my bulletproof coffee, the, all the good fats are going straight to the brain and they're oiling the body and there's an effect that lasts for about three to four hours. It's not a, it's not a caffeine buzz or anything like that. It's like a slow release um, of energy from the fat as opposed to the sugar or the caffeine. And the effect it's had on me is a, a very balancing effect with regard to how I begin my day. 
a lot of people I know when they have their coffee, they, they'll have a crash after it. That crash doesn't affect me or any of the many people I know in my immediate peer group who have been converted to Bulletproof Coffee. And I find for from talking to my friends who would have been big coffee drinkers, they've, with one Bulletproof Coffee in the morning, managed to pretty much eliminate all the other coffees from their daily dose. And it's just, it's changed a lot of people. With regard to weight loss, it's very beneficial as well in that it's while it's not an appetite suppressant there is a full feeling from the amount of fat that and good fat that's contained in the drink every morning and people don't need to necessarily at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock or whatever time they would normally have their their break for i don't know the bar of chocolate or the muffin or whatever it might be a lot of that is is immediately stamped out so it's i found it extremely extremely beneficial for me personally it may not be for everybody but if you haven't seen it it's certainly something worth checking out i think and it might fit in quite well with the uh, with the diet that you have yeah absolutely and i you know i've now that you mention it um i do remember the talk of the grass fed butter um, and the MCT oil in the coffee, and that, in what you described to me, makes sense. Um, mm. It also can help slow the absorption, so you don't get that immediate kind of inject the cough caffeine into your veins kind of thing. It's yeah, kind of a yeah. slow release process. And certainly, if you're using a grass-fed bu- butter, and I'm glad that they hold it highly over there in Ireland, because that's you know that's another excellent thing that people can do for themselves. Um, I would assume it also a good grass-fed butter obviously will deliver um, a good source of minerals as well. And and that's another thing to consider too with the coffee consumption is it does it does tend to strip. Uh, minerals out of your system. So if you can remineralize your coffee in some way, um, which some of the things I mentioned could do that, but certainly grass-fed, a good grass-fed butter could help with that as well. And, and again, make it a healthier habit. So I'm glad it's working for you. Uh, that's awesome. I'm not I, over a period of time. I never was really a coffee drinker. I may enjoy one from time to time, but not often. But next time I do, if I get my hands on some good grass-fed butter, which is, you know, we can find it around here. It's a little bit more difficult, but I can definitely get it. I'm definitely going to give it a shot, and if it works out, I'll definitely send the, the shout out to you for introducing me and making me actually think about actually trying it and see how it goes. Well, do I'll send you the very simple recipe and the ratios and that kind of thing. And I mean, if it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, well, it's another thing you can cross off the list, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I appreciate the the insight on that for sure. Good stuff. Well, we're going to wrap things up for today, Derek. But before we do so, how can people find out more about you and what it is you do? Direct us to the websites because you've some very 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 interesting and regular articles that are extremely accessible. One of the things that really strikes me about the work that you're doing is how accessible it is. The terms you use are layman's terms without dumbing things down. And I just think for somebody who might be looking to make these changes or at least interested in making these changes, it's one of the best resources that I've seen out there. Um, That's your, your website. So tell us about how people can find out more and how they can delve into your world. Absolutely. Um, so, the, as you mentioned, um, a lot of different articles are being posted uh, on our website, and the website's healingthebody.ca. Um, so, if you go to um, go to Healing the Body, there's we have up to probably 20 different articles uh, posted on a weekly basis. Uh, many of them that uh, I write myself, and we have some other writers, and we have some other good material that we republish. And um, really, the goal that's that's. The, the free source of information that you can go to. You can sign up for our newsletter, get that information, or you know you can like us on Facebook uh, at healingthebody.ca and you can hook up there and that's the way you can kind of get the influx of, of materials um, that we're delivering on a day-to-day basis. And the purpose behind those things is really to give people some actionable 
um, advice that they can use, um, not just simply um, pointing out problems and, and things that are wrong and then kind of leaving people in the lurch. We try to give people some, as, as well as you can in terms of general advice, um, we try to give people some general advice. And, and as you said, my whole goal around writing these articles is to write it in a way that it's not overly scientific in terms of the the terminology. I want to make it in a way that anybody can basically understand it so that it makes sense. So they start to understand their body, start to understand food and how it can all go together. The purpose is not to confuse people and to come across, you know, overly intelligent, I guess for lack of a better term, where I'm using all these scientific terms to flex my muscles. I'm really about getting this information across to you in a very easy, understandable way. So I'm glad that you appreciate that because that's definitely the goal that I'm that I'm trying to accomplish um, with those articles. So, you know, you can be on healingthebody.ca. You can subscribe to the newsletter. You can be on our Facebook page or, you know, we're on Twitter, a number of social media channels to plug into that. Um, and, you know, for other people, we have, you know, a couple different things that we have on our website. We have a, a wellness guide, which is just an e-guide. Um, you know, $14.99, you can get a very good overview if you're just kind of starting out in terms of how do you tackle this whole thing? How do you, how do you go at this? You know, where do I start? I'd say if that's kind of where you are, you start with that. That'll give you a good um, view of the forest, for lack of a better term, so you don't feel like you're staring at a bunch of trees and you're not sure where to go next. It'll give you a good landscape of what to do to get things started. Then when you get into um, get into it more and you're interested in more things, we have other programs like the Ultimate Reset, which is a personal coaching program. But one of my most exciting uh, newest ventures that um, extends across all borders, and we certainly have people in, uh, in Europe. I'm not sure if we have someone specifically in Ireland. But now I have an online course that I'm currently in week five of. It's an eight-week eight online course that I deliver, and it's kind of a DIY. So for the people out there that want to do it themselves and they just want the core advice, they want to understand how the body works, they really want to stop with the confusion, frustration, spending endless amounts of money, not sure if they're going the right way, and they want to understand how to actually help their body heal itself, then the Thrive Health program is something that I would recommend to anybody. And again, as long as you can speak English and read English, it can, it's accessible to anybody across the world because it's an online eight-week program. We're halfway through now. We're going to deliver another one in January, probably in the third week of January. Uh, that site is thrivehealthprogram.com. If you go there, you can sign up as well if you're interested in being uh, being a part of that community and a part of that uh, movement in an online format, then you can definitely, um, again, sign up there or subscribe there um, and, and we'll let you know when uh, the next class is, is ready to go and you can get on there and that can certainly help you navigate on your own time, you know, on your own schedule. The materials are always there and help you kind of navigate your health, but have a guide, have someone to help you along the road and help you go down that path a lot faster rather than you know, sort of traveling around the desert like I did, going in circles, then getting forward, then getting bogged down, getting stuck places, going in circles. You know, this whole route is, is, is a long route. And you know, we really just try to pave the way is the easiest, easiest way to say it. We try to pave the way with that program and get you on the right track a lot quicker, save you a lot of time, money, confusion, frustration, and allow you to plug into something right away. That has been proven to work because it's been based on my own personal experience and on the experience of me coaching, um, you know, over 50 clients through a similar type um, protocol foundationally. And it certainly has, has uh, returned some great results, as you can see the testimonials on our website. So those are some ways that I'd encourage people to hook up to us uh, in any way that they see, see fit. And I'm sure that, um, and I hope that, you know, going through that type of information um, is going to 
empower you more and give you more freedom and help you understand your body and overcome some of your health issues just like I did. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Derek Henry, it's been great chatting to you today on Alchemy Radio. Hopefully you'll come back again to us and thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks very much, John. I really enjoyed it. And absolutely, any other time you want to discuss anything, I'm more than ready. Alchemy Radio.
Alchemy Radio. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy Radio. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are very grateful for any help you can offer. There's no fixed cost, as you know, on the donations and every little bit helps. So, for example, if you could spare even the price of that leftover turkey sandwich every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance, as I like to say, is hugely appreciated. Thank you indeed to everybody for your recent help and support. We really couldn't do it without you. Our next guest is Deanna Minnick, who will be discussing food and spirit, holistic nourishment and phytochemicals. So lots of interesting stuff to chomp down on on the next episode. Until then, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Analyze. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?